Our text for today comes to us from Jonah chapter 1, and I'm going to read all 17 verses. Listen now for the word of God. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up and call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we don't perish. The sailors said to one another, come, let's cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What's your country? And of what people are you? I'm a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord. God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it's because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring the ship back to land. But they couldn't. For the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, don't let us perish on account of this man's life. Don't make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for today. God, thank you for your word and thank you for Jonah. God, I pray that whatever word you would have us here today would come from you and not from me. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to learn how to uh, disobey God. We're going to learn how, maybe more importantly, we're going to learn why we should disobey God. 
I know some of you are nervous, but just stay with me here, all right? I want you to start thinking, and I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask for responses in just a second, but just start, get the wheels turning. Are there things in your life that you know you should do that you don't do? And it could be something that you do regularly, could be like a one-time thing where you know you should have done something but you didn't do it. Could be any number of things, but things that you should do. And I'm, I'm going to give you a couple of ex examples here. Um, have you ever run out of toilet paper and all you have is the roll left and you reach behind and you grab a new roll and you use whatever you need and then you leave the toilet paper roll hanging on the holder? Have you ever done that? Raise your hand. If you don't raise your hand, I know you're lying. <laughs> Yes, we know in that moment, right, that we should remove the, the what do you call it, just the roll? Is it the roll? We should remove the toilet paper roll, and we should take it, we should put it in a recycling bin, and then we should replace the new roll on the holder, right? This is the proper thing to do, but sometimes we don't do that. I'll give you another example. How many of you, when the trash, you know the trash is full, you know it's ready to go out. You know you have to get a new bag in there. How many of you do the thing where you just kind of stuff? You just stuff it down a little bit. Yeah, more hands, more hands, that's good. That's good, some of you are, are great liars here, I know. <laughs> do you have other examples of this? Do you have other, yeah, let's go to John. Changing lanes, making a double change. <laughs> Changing lanes, making a double change, yeah. You know you shouldn't, change two lanes at once. It's against the law, right? She do it anyway. Are there others? Doris, yeah. Changing light bulbs when they burn out. Yeah. You see it, you know you should do it, right? Are there others? Yeah. Dealing with the mail. Dealing with the mail? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Amen to that, Marin. Yes. I feel like all we get is junk mail anymore. Is that, does anyone get real mail? I don't. Bills. <laughs> yeah. All we get is bills, bills and junk. There are things that we know we should do that we don't immediately do. And you might call this disobedience. This is mostly, I'm mostly just being a little bit silly, but this is disobedience. We know we should do these things and we don't. So in order to disobey God, here's what you do. You think of the thing that you know God wants you to do. The thing God might have told you to do, the thing you might have read in the Bible, the thing that your pastor may have told you to do that, that you know, they think God wants you to do, whatever it is that comes to you, in order to disobey God, you just, you just don't do that anymore, right? And we're, we're going to learn from the best this morning because this is, this is exactly what Jonah does, right? He disobeys. We've all heard this story before, and maybe, maybe too often, we we know that Jonah was called by God to go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, and Jonah does the exact opposite thing. In fact, it's almost comical in the text because he goes the opposite direction. And not just the opposite direction, but he goes as far away in the opposite direction as he absolutely can. So often we stop our interpretation of the story right there. Jonah disobeyed God, and so we should all be very good Christians and we shouldn't disobey God, right? This is, our, this is our reading. And we never stop to ask, well, why would Jonah disobey God? Why would he do something like that? So I think we should give him a little bit of credit. 
There are, there are two reasons that Jonah disobeys God. The first reason is that he hates his enemies. He hates his enemies. If Martin Luther King Jr. said that he chose love because hate was too great a burden to bear, however he said it. Jonah says the opposite. Jonah says, I have chosen hate because I have found that love is too great a burden to bear. This is who Jonah is. And I'll give you some context to that. So, so Jonah um, was an Israelite, as he says here, and was living at a time when the Assyrian Empire had really risen to power. And the Assyrian Empire was no different than any other empire. The Roman Empire, the American Empire, you can think of other empires that are out there. Empires do what empires do. They conquer lands, they take people as slaves, they ruin um, economies, they do a lot of damage in the world. And some of you might argue, well, they might do a lot of good too, but this is not Jonah's perspective. Jonah's people have been attacked by the Assyrians. Jonah's people are being threatened by the Assyrians. Jonah's way of life is threatened by the Assyrians at this time. And so when God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, go at once to Nineveh, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. And so th there's this biblical translator, Robert Alter, that says, when God says this to Jonah, it would be like God saying to a Jewish person in the 1940s, hey, you need to go preach to Hitler and all of his people that they should repent. It's absurd what God is asking Jonah to do. In fact, it's entirely ridiculous. And so, of course, he's disobedient. Of course, he runs away. Of course, he doesn't want to listen. There's another reason that Jonah is disobedient to God. Jonah is a prophet. And prophets actually have a long and strong history of disobeying God. In fact, it's usually the first thing that they do. They're called to do something, and I think I just unplugged my mind. Check. Are we in? Yes. I will, I will try not to pace, but good luck. The first thing that prophets often do is disobey God. And I'll, I'll give you some examples here. So do you remember the story of Moses at the burning bush? Moses is, is kind of considered a prophet leader-ish. Do you remember what he says to God at the, at the burning bush? God says, hey, I, I need you to go and let my people free. And it's a much longer speech than that. And, and Moses comes back with, mm, I, I don't know about that. I'm, I'm not very good at public speaking, God. So I, I don't think I should be the one that goes to Pharaoh. Moses finds himself inadequate and is sort of resistant to God's call. Now, you might say, Garrett, that's not disobedience, but, well, it sort of is, isn't it? I mean, he's arguing with God. He's saying, I don't want to do it, and he argues so long that eventually God says, okay, you don't have to go alone. Take your brother Aaron with you. Aaron's a good speaker. He will help you out. Other prophets actually disobeyed God, too. Uh, Isaiah and Amos both were um, prophets that were protesting the wrath of God. They didn't want to say the message that God had given them to say because they felt like it was too harsh. They felt like it was too much. They didn't want the wrath of God to be poured out on all of the people. There are other examples, too, that I could give you. But I say all this to say that Jonah comes from a long line of prophets that disobey God. 
And the question I think we need to ask again is why? Why does Jonah do it? How is he different? Well, Jonah gives us the answer actually in chapter four. And I'm, I'm jumping ahead here, so spoiler alerts if you haven't read this and you want to know the ending. Jonah says in chapter four, didn't I say this when I was in my own country, that you were a loving God, full of grace, slow to anger, forgiving? Jonah knows that God is going to forgive. And so when we read that in chapter four and we come back to now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, we have a little bit more context. Jonah is not just disobeying to disobey. He is disobeying because he hates his enemies, and he, he's doing it because maybe this is what prophets do, but it goes even deeper than that. Jonah, as Phyllis Tribble, the biblical commentator, says, Jonah is protesting the love of God. Jonah is protesting the love of God. And I just love that. Not because it's a good thing to do, but because it gives us some context through which we can read this story. So when Jonah gets on the ship, right, it says, the sailors said to one another, come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot falls to Jonah and Jonah knows he's cornered. Jonah knows that he's in a position, he's, he's not going to get out of this and eventually he sort of confesses. He says, I'm the cause of this storm. I'm the one that's brought this calamity upon you. And it's at this point that I think we always give Jonah a pass, don't we? We always give Jonah a pass here and we think that he gives himself up. He says to them, take me up and throw me into the sea. We give him a pass. We think that he has repented. We think that he's changed. And sometimes we'll go and we'll read chapter two next week, but chapter two is just this giant prayer that Jonah gives to God. And, and we take all of this and we say, Jonah repented, he felt sorry for what he was doing. He truly changed. But the Bible actually never says that Jonah changed. The Bible never says that Jonah repented. It says later on that God repented. The author actually goes out of the way to say God repented, the king of Nineveh repents, the city repents, but we never hear at this point in the story that Jonah repents. And so I think we need to read it thinking that he is still disobeying God to the very end. I don't know what that does for the end of this text. In fact, I didn't spend too much time thinking about it. Um, but I think that there's something selfish going on here. Maybe Jonah knows he's at the end of his life. He might as well do something good for other people and make himself look good at the end. And so he says, look, we're probably all going to die. I'll take this upon myself. I'll make myself a peace offering for the people. They can throw me over. If it works, great. If it doesn't, oh, well, we're all out of here anyway, right? I think that Jonah's final moments are actually full of selfishness because He's being disobedient to God because he hates his enemy and because we know from the text he is protesting the love of God. Every time I 
hear Jonah talked about or I read an article about it or I hear someone preach on it and I, I listen to a few sermons on it this week, it always comes back to this theme of disobedience and this idea that we should be obedient to God, that it's, it's, it's really not good to be disobedient. And I, and I would agree with that. I, I really would. But I think so often we see an extreme example like this and we think, well, I would never do that, right? I would never do that. But all of us just admitted, well, not all of us, some of us just admitted to doing silly things that we know we should do that we don't do, right? And all of us actually probably just prayed this prayer of confession where we admitted evil runs through our hearts, right? Oh Lord, mark our iniquities. We know that we have this capacity in us to disobey, to protest the love of God. And I wonder how often we're attuned to it. I wonder if we see it in our lives. Do any of you all have, have examples of how you may protest the love of God in your own life? It's hard to think of, isn't it? I kind of assume we wouldn't, we wouldn't have much. Jonah's disobedience runs deep. He's doing what he thinks a prophet should do. He's doing what he thinks is right for his people. And still, as we look back on his life and on this text, we know that it's wrong. I wonder in our own lives today if there are things that we are doing that might be protesting the love of God. It might be a stance or a posture we have toward a certain subject. It might be that we see others being generous to other people and we don't like that. We don't want to see people celebrate things. It could be someone succeeding and us not wanting to celebrate that. It could be any number of things. How do we protest the love of God? We're going to do two more weeks in the book of Jonah. We'll kind of come to some conclusions in the Sundays ahead. But I want you all to sit with that question this week. And I want to leave this intentionally kind of open-ended. How are you protesting God's love in your own life? How are you being disobedient to God's call? We do it in the small ways, in the silly and trivial ways. But I wonder, I wonder where else it exists. Let's pray. Good and loving God, thank you for this time together. And God, thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would be with us as we go and help illumine those shadows in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.